So we've heard the stories about ChatGPT and similar AI platforms behaving erratically, losing their minds, even trying to break up our marriages. But that's not stopping big business from jumping into bed with the technology lawyer and founder of Digital Rights Watch, Lizzie O'Shea, joins me now. Lizzie, who are some of the big brands integrating ChatGPT into their businesses and how are they using it? Yeah, this is an interesting story that's slowly emerging in the press, how industry is using ChatGPT. I mean, we're familiar with it because, you know, we type funny questions into it or we ask it to write funny essays in funny styles. I can never log on. I can never get on the thing. It's always too busy. Capacity reached, it tells me. Maybe it knows you're going to ask about your marriage. I don't know. So maybe... <laughs> I, don't, I probably wouldn't like the answers. <laughs> no. <laughs> or maybe you should ask it to do your intro for your show. Maybe I'll do that next time I'm on. In the style um, of Andy Park, type out exactly, an entire yes. show. That would be interesting. <laughs> that has crossed my mind. I'll write mind. a Valentine's t- card to my wife. <laughs> um, but yes, what I was going to say was companies like big... It's big companies. So companies like Coles, like Telstra, you can see how they might start to use this for industry purposes. I mean, if I was sitting in a marketing department, I might feel a little bit nervous because fast-tracking copy used for ads is an obvious example, but also maybe speech writing. That's what some of the industry um, examples are. There was a really interesting one I read, though, a guy who runs a company selling boats. He asked ChatGPT, what are the you know top 20 terms people use to search for boats? And um, that occurred to me to be very sensible use of ChatGPT, but also probably explains a bit why Google is so nervous about this technology. People may have read that, that they're actually developing their own to compete with this Microsoft-backed ChatGPT. And partly because you can imagine that kind of information would have been something that Google had and offered to small businesses as a method for, um, you know, competitive ads, ad spaces that are are likely to be receptive to the audience for people who might be wishing to buy boats. Well, here's a guy now who's managed to circumvent um, that power of Google. So you can see how it might also um, start to upset big players in the advertising game, as well as being used internally for all sorts of um, copywriting processes, whether that is marketing or other kinds of internal internal uses. So there is a lot of scope, I think, for chat GPT to be quite transparent formative um, in industry applications. Yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the onset or advent of chat GPT or other AI chatbots is probably the biggest threat to the internet and the business behind the internet as we know it. And not to be outdone, Mm. good old Elon Musk now wants to get in on the action of his own. So this is going to be like an anti-woke AI. Is, Is that what he wants to do now? I mean, he is, uh, I assume I'm allowed to say this on the ABC, he's a deeply insufferable man. I can't be the only person that thinks that. But um, yeah, he's talking about how he wants to develop a chat GPT that's less woke. And, you know, that's a glib kind of entry point into a bigger discussion, I suppose, about how you can use some of the mechanics that have been created by these AI um, capabilities to develop other uses for chatbots. So there's some funny ones already um, being created. There's an Ask Seneca that answers um, your questions in the style of the philosopher. The one I like, which is called Pickaxe, which allows you to look through your own documents and improve them. <laughs> I hate to think what they'd find, bit of a wow. bit of a dark mirror there. Um, but I also think, you know, it's important to remember that one of the a researcher on this topic, Kate Crawford, a very prominent Australian researcher in this field, she, she describes artificial intelligence as neither artificial nor intelligent. And I think that is a good line. I think we have to think pretty carefully about relying too heavily on these tools and really use them or use them consciously, critically, um, perhaps to complement work that we already do. There's there's always a role, I think, for humans in kind of making use of them and learning from them so you don't get pulled or sucked into some of the errors that they might confidently make. 
This week, Canada joined the European Union in banning TikTok on government-issued mobile devices. I've been reading lots about different university campuses in the United States banning uh, users from using TikTok on their Wi-Fi. Now lawmakers in the US are pushing for their country to do the same uh, in the United States amid these sort of security concerns. This is no small story, really, because it all goes back to who owns TikTok, ByteDance. Tell me about them. Yeah, so ByteDance is a Chinese company. Plenty of people probably know this already, but there's an argument that uh, data security is not one of their strong suits because, of course, if you're based in China, the Chinese Communist Party could seek access to personal user data um, of anyone who might be using TikTok. Um, you know, as somebody who's been a, a long-time observer of Facebook and Google uh, and how those companies allow personal information to leak and be used for political purposes, you know, Cambridge Analytica being one such example, some of these complaints can feel a bit um, cute, I suppose, because this is a part of the business model of, of US companies as well. And as an Australian, I don't necessarily want US or Chinese com- companies taking my personal data and, and using it as they will. But clearly it's hotting up and, and this is maybe their new kind of format of, of a cold war, you know, tech companies. Yeah, like a proxy mm. cold war and no doubt US uh, lawmakers are using it for their own ends. But it does raise an interesting question. Is there any evidence to suggest that China is spying on America through the TikTok platform? Look, I mean, I, I'm not a betting person, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were. I think those um, those kinds of questions are slightly above my pay grade, but I think it's reasonable to assume that like the US government, like the Australian government, the Chinese government uses tools at its disposal to advance its interests in international diplomacy. So I wouldn't be surprised. But um, of course, you know, ByteDance denies this and um, and claims that it doesn't do that. Um, you know, there's a there's of course much bigger kind of international questions that are raised by these issues. And I think if you're a user, it might feel a bit annoying to be caught up in these kinds of disputes. I mean, it's interesting in the United States, the First Amendment kind of probably prohibits an outright ban of TikTok because I, I don't know how you'd legislate it, but also there's the prohibition on forced or, or preventing speech as well. So, you know, it's a, it's a free speech culture in the US and you wonder whether this will sit well with users of the app and the population if there's a constant going on about how dangerous it is when people like to use it and use it for all sorts of political purposes as well as kind of social ones. So I wonder how this will go, this um, this move by the US and lots of other countries to, to take steps to clamp down on its use, certainly by federal um, employees in the US at least and um, ultimately officials, but maybe more generally whether this will get very far. Well, uh, if you're under 18, uh, you'll also be facing uh, the prospect of one-hour time limits set for users. This is probably just what parents have been asking for. Lizzie O'Shea, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.